What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, who let the dogs out? I'm Jonathan Strickland. I do hate you for that. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. I, I warned you guys before we started recording. But anyway, today <laughs> we wanted to talk about uh, robo-pets, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, I'm a pet person. I've got, I've got a dog. Um, do you, either of you have pets? Uh, yeah, I've got a dog as well. I love pets, but my wife and I don't currently have one. Our, uh, my, my parents have pets and I love to go visit them. And I think we're, we keep, we have dog envy. Right. So we constantly think about like, should we get a dog? Should we get a dog? It, it's probably going to happen soon. Gotcha. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, having a pet, it's one of those things that, uh, I'm sure a lot of people, uh, on some level take for granted. I mean, there are always those moments that you have with your pet where you're just like, ah, I never want this moment to ever end because it's awesome. My, you know, whether it's a dog or a cat or, you know, a 
boa constrictor. People have different types of pets and they all have them for, for different reasons. But we wanted to talk a little bit about the process of perhaps moving from actual living animal pets to robotic pets and also talk a little bit about why, you know, some of the effects we get when we happen to have a pet and bond with that pet. Yeah, uh, I wanted to start by emphasizing the fact that when we're talking about replacing animals with robots, I don't think that's uh, just a nothing question. I mean, the love we have for animals is totally real. Sure. Like, you know, in a sort of biologically verifiable way, it's real. Uh, One of the things that I read about was how uh, this chemical called oxytocin it's a neuroactive chemical in the body, and it is very significant in, like, say, bonding and intimacy. Mm-hmm. So you get it with with touching people that you feel closely about when it's uh, present in mothers and infants during bonding. But apparently also oxytocin has been linked to bonding between humans and their pets. And oxytocin's got a lot of actual pretty powerful effects on people, right? I mean, it's when we say bonding, that seems pretty... Uh, you know, conceptual, like you're not, you know, what does that actually mean? But oxytocin can actually have, uh, a, you know, a measurable effect on the body. Yeah. Well, like lots of these chemicals that happen in the brain and the nervous system, we, we don't know all of the effects, but we, we have it linked to a bunch of effects like uh, lowering anxiety, uh-huh, helping us feel happy and, and trusting. Um, and also just putting the body into a state of readiness to heal, which sounds a little bit woo woo. I understand, but, but that's, Scientific woo-woo. Yeah, right. So as opposed to uh, oxytocin, it makes you more likely to be able to bend spoons with your mind, which is just total woo-woo. But yeah, I mean, it's it's clear that this is this is actually biologically powerful stuff. I mean, they're they're beyond all the cat videos that are out there on YouTube, which is just I mean, that's proof alone that we have a fascination for animals. It has an actual biological effect. Yeah. And we know this from experience, too. I mean, there's no logical reason that you should like risk your life to save an animal, but people do this. Oh, of course. Uh, animals have been used for therapeutic purposes too, since way before science ever started looking into all this chemistry stuff, since like the mid 1800s. Uh, Florence Nightingale used animals with her patients. Back in the 1970s and 80s, they started doing research to start verifying some of this stuff. And that was when we got those studies that like found that heart attack survivors who had pets lived longer than those who didn't and that petting an animal can lower your blood pressure. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there are some benefits of having pets. Not everyone can have at least what we consider a traditional pet though, right? I mean, I know, I know people who have allergies that are so severe that they can't be anywhere near an animal for more than a couple of minutes before they start having symptoms of their allergies. They start yeah. having eyes are watering. They start being ha- having difficulty breathing. Sometimes, you know, especially if it's a, an allergy to like a dog or a cat, they might even develop you know, physical rashes. So it's it- uh, sure it's estimated that about that almost ten percent of the population could be allergic to cats and dogs. And it can get really serious really fast if you, for example, have a pre-existing condition like asthma, which mm-hmm. can set off those symptoms a lot worse and trigger an attack. Sure. Yeah. And, and they're not always, uh, you know, we love our animals and most of us feel like they're totally worth the the cost that's involved in keeping an animal. But oh. that cost can be pretty high. Yeah, they can be financially costly. Yeah. Yeah. Our compatriots over at PetFinder.com estimate that the cost of owning a cat per year can be anywhere from 300 to $4,500. What? 
and and that uh, a dog ownership for a year can cost anywhere between five hundred and a thousand. I can tell uh, or you ten ten thousand. I'm sorry, I 10, totally 000. wrote that down incorrectly. Right, I, I was about to say like I had a dog named Thisbe who I, I sadly lost just last year, and uh, the last couple of years of her life they were very expensive because she was generally pretty healthy, but she had a couple of acute health problems that required quite a bit of money to help resolve. And, you know, once we were sure that she was in a good place again and everything was fine, but eventually, of course, her health declined to a point where we had to say goodbye to her. And that was very, very hard emotionally on me. Um, but yeah, obviously it was also, it was also very expensive. So there are, Lots of wonderful benefits to owning a pet, but having a real animal pet also comes with these other sides, you know, these other considerations you have to take into account. Uh, otherwise, you're being really naive if you don't, don't think that there could be uh, another side to it, right? Yeah, so that brings up the question, well, people are talking about artificial intelligence, robots. I mean, people have thought about making fake humans for a long time. I've known a few. Why not make artificial animals? Well, especially when we've already touched on something else that we humans already do, which is that we develop an emotional attachment to things that are not actually alive. Yeah. I mean, when we have our discussion about people who have named their Roombas, mm -hmm. uh, and granted, in this case, you probably wouldn't necessarily have the same sort of emotional attachment to a Roomba as you would to uh, a dog or a cat. I mean, oh, depending but, upon the person, obviously. Oh, sure. <laughs> some but, people but, you know, really hate dogs and cats. Yeah. And some people really love Roombas. I yeah. mean, you know, people name their Roombas. Yeah, it's, sure. it's, you know. So, but the fact that we already know that there are people who develop emotional attachments to things that are not actually organically alive suggests that perhaps a robotic pet is a p perfectly cromulent <laughs> outcome, right? Yeah, and in fact, it's not something that's never been tried before. Oh, yeah. There's actually quite a few. In fact, I, I didn't think to put it in our notes, and it may even be in our notes further down, and I missed it. But I was also thinking that beyond the actual robots that we're going to talk about, there's also the digital pets. that have, Right, Tamagotchi and stuff like that. Yeah, those got really popular, and I think it was like around the 90s when they started getting really popular. And some elements of that have crept into video games, computer games, that sort of stuff. And while those aren't necessarily physical representations of pets like the other ones we're going to talk about. And not not moving, walking representations right. of pets anyway. Yeah, it's it's still something that people could have kind of an emotional attachment to. Yeah. So uh, if you want to hear a lot more about digital pets, Jonathan and I did an episode of Tech Stuff all about them at some point last year. Yeah, it would have been early last year. So somewhere early in, in 2013. We'll see if we can remember to link that on social. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the actual robots that various companies have come out with that are, you know, either supposed to completely mimic an animal or at least be representational of an animal. Okay, so in the late 90s through the 2000s, there were a bunch of these. Yeah. Um, and I'd say probably the biggest one, the one you're most likely to have heard of, is the Sony Abo. Yeah. I remember seeing these. So this was a, a little, uh, like, robotic puppy dog type thing. And um, there were there were different versions of it that each looked different. Some yeah. had like differently shaped heads, sort of, and and different designs coming out over time because it existed in many incarnations over the years. Sure, but but if you if you think about, I mean, if you think about the phrase "robot dog," this is about what you would expect from that yeah. phrase. Unless, of course, you grew up uh, watching Doctor Who, in which case, canine might be the 
end all be all of robot dogs. This <laughs> well, one was slightly more streamlined. Streamlined. It was the iMac of of the K9, and it had legs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so it debuted in 1999, and it was really impressive in a lot of ways. I, I've got to say, especially for back being back in 1999 and and what it developed over the early 2000s. So it could walk around in a fairly stable way. It could see and hear. Um, and with hearing, it could respond to the owner's verbal commands. Sure. Um, it could also take pictures. There was actually a, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a funny CNET article we found where, uh, they mentioned that there were fan communities of these pictures taken by the, the Sony dogs. Right. But all the pictures happen to be of people's feet. Like, right. Or, or table legs. Table legs and right. people's ankles because, is what they said. Because the, the IBO is not a very, or ABO is not a very large uh, device. It's actually, you know, it's a tiny little puppy dog sized mm-hmm. thing. Right. So any picture taken from its perspective is about uh, what you'd expect. Yeah. You yeah. know, around around that eye level for a puppy dog. Of course, that kind of makes me wonder if there's an actual animal that size when it thinks about like the image of its owner, does it think about the face or does it think about what's usually at eye level for it? Well, I would imagine that it depends on whether or not you allow the animal to get up on the furniture. (laughs) In my case, my dog definitely knows my face because he and I are level pretty much all the time. Uh, Yeah. And so the the ABO or IBO, however you pronounce it, it's A-I-B-O. But it's uh they they made what like a hundred fifty thousand of these things. Yeah, it, it was in production Sony. from 1999 to 2006 when they closed it off. And in retrospect, I think a lot of people have kind of looked at it as a tech failure, not because it was necessarily a bad product, but because it was too expensive, prohibitively expensive. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, there there were different prices for the models throughout the years, but it ranged from about a thousand dollars to two thousand dollars. Right, and and to have someone like the the issue here is to market a robotic companion that comes across like a pet, where you might be willing to spend. A, a good deal of money, keeping in mind that, yes, this is an upfront cost for this particular kind of pet, as opposed to a biological pet where the costs go throughout the animal's lifetime. Uh, this one, it's all upfront, but it's hard to get people to think of it as a pet as opposed to a toy. And to convince people to spend a thousand to two thousand dollars on a toy is a lot harder than to say, no, this is a pet. Yeah. Another thing about Abo, uh, is that despite his cool ability to walk around and 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 respond to commands and have some degree of intelligence that that's all kind of cute and fun this is obviously a robot like they're not trying to hide the fact that it's a robot it's got a smooth plastic outer exterior uh you can hear it moving around you know Uh eventually (laughs) it would start saying kill all humans you know the way all robots do eventually they weren't train it to say kill all humans (laughs) It, they clearly they weren't trying to pass for life like this was its own kind of thing. This yeah, is it was a robot. Dog. Very kitschily specifically. I mean, like I, the the product design very much reminds me of of robotic illustrations from the 1950s. Yeah, it's got a very Jetsons kind yeah. of look to it. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, but we have another one here that we were going to talk about an actual therapeutic robotic animal. And here's the thing. I've pet one of these. Really? Yeah. Uh, at CES, I take it? Uh, I believe it was CES, yes. Uh, so, Paro, P-A-R-O. Yeah, yeah this that's, was... That's that one that looks like a harp seal? Yeah, yeah. It's a cute little harp seal. 
and uh-huh. it makes little it, cooing noises and you can pet it and it moves and yeah there was a there was a booth that had one it was either at CES or it was at E3. I remember okay. I remember it was one of the two. E3 would have been the more unusual place to see it. But um yeah, it's and this is a a, a robotic uh harp seal essentially that's designed to be kind of a cuddly uh sort of animal substitute for people who need a sort of a therapy animal, something to have that sort of therapeutic effect that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so this is a very different kind of approach yeah. than than Abo. So whereas Abo is is a fun toy that will walk around the room and do cute things, Pero is a sort of lap toy. It doesn't move around. It does move. It squiggles, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't locomote. Yeah, the yeah. the moving is designed to respond to petting mm-hmm. and to show facial animation to give it personality. Uh, it's covered in fur and I think that's one thing that they're going for here is this more lifelike kind of approach to the animal feeling or tactile at any rate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's covered in uh, soft fur, actually soft antibacterial fur, which oh, right. I, I like was that. A, a nice <laughs> point. Uh, it responds to different kind of touching. It, it moves its eyes. It blinks in a really adorable way. Uh, and it lets you know when it needs something like power slash food, which is, I guess, the same thing for it. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, it's charged by a little pacifier that goes in the mouth, which is... That's kinda, a little bit creepy. Yeah, it's kind of cool. cute, kind of creepy yeah. at the same time. Well, and it's, it's, it's the crying, if you ignore it, that really starts to get creepy. <laughs> yeah. And so it one of the things is that it's baby-sized. Like yes. It sort of goes right in your arms, and it's believed to sort of reduce anxiety and encourage engagement, especially from people suffering from dementia. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. This was uh, the, the uh, display I saw. They were specifically talking about using it in places like elder care facilities mm-hmm. and, yeah. uh, and, you know, that sort of therapy. And it, it was you know, undeniably cute. I mean, it was a very yeah. cute kind of thing. And I remember when I saw it, I, I was really impressed with, uh, just, it, you know, the fact that its functions were pretty basic. It did them really well. Yeah. Uh, they've also definitely used them in what it, it's, it was developed in Japan by Japan's National Institute of Advanced Industrial Science and Technology. And mm-hmm. so it's also been used a bunch, uh, over there during the tsunami relief, uh, earthquake relief, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Where does the cost come in on this one, though? Because that's a big question. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. We're talking. We're talking I've, probably around five thousand or six thousand dollars. I've seen years ago it was cited as six thousand. The most recent figure I've seen is five thousand yeah. dollars. So this isn't a household item. No, and it wasn't intended to be really. No, 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 no. Uh, they're not really selling this to get the for public, your family. I right. think it's mostly for care facilities. Mm-hmm. Like the facility has one, and it uses it sort of as an in-house therapy. Animal. Oh, however, the next one we have on our list is actually a, a one that was marketed to consumers, right? This was yeah. a consumer pet robot. Yeah, this next one, uh, yet again, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Would you Pleo. say Pleo or Pleo? It's Pleo. P L E O. So Pleo is a robotic dinosaur modeled after the genus Camarasaurus, which was a four footed sauropod. Uh, it's not a Camarasaurus, which is a boss kind of car. <laughs> Just making sure. Fairly boss. <laughs> okay. Moderately boss. Moderately boss. Okay, so whereas something like Abo is obviously a robot with like the smooth artificial exterior and the robotic movements and and that's sort of like part of the charm of Abo. Right. 
Clio is designed to have more lifelike movements. Like it's really trying to convince you, I think, that this is a real living creature. And it's it's got a soft skin, like a like a plasticized, I think, silicone based kind of thing that yeah. um that yeah. was that was painted. Yeah, it's it's made to look like a an apatosaurus or uh, as you were saying the the camarasaurus. Um it's actually uh uh able to have lots of little facial expressions and uh and and again it seems to have a personality on its own. Yeah, the, that's one thing they sell this with is the idea that it has emotional intelligence that this animal has a personality and and real emotions and it, that it, it looks like it's about to read lines from the land before time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're right. I didn't even think about that. Uh, but yeah, so it responds to petting and touching and it makes vocalizations and changes its body movements and facial expressions with response to how you manipulate it with your hands. Uh, and it's got a pretty robust sensory apparatus. Yes, it does. To tell what's going on. Now, the reason why I'm giggling is because uh, here at How Stuff Works, which is where we are right now, is at uh, HowStuffWorks.com. Our site director, Tracy Wilson, right. wrote an article about Pleo and uh, was actually going to take one apart. Because we used to do that at How Stuff Works, we would we would do these full galleries where we would get gadgets and we would break them down and show all the parts that were inside them. I bet you couldn't do it, could you? Uh, it just kept screaming. <laughs> no, I'm making that part up. But uh, as I recall, I think we ultimately decided not to do that with Pleo because uh, I believe they asked us very nicely uh, to – you know, not do that. There, there, <laughs> so, there is a photograph from the company Ugob, uh, Ugobi. I have no idea how to the, say that the either. Creators of the original Pleo. Oh, yeah. right, right. And there, there's a photograph attached to the that How Stuff Works article of its inner skeleton, and I ha- and it kind of upset me. Yeah. I like scrolling through the article. I was surprisingly emotionally upset well, by and, that photograph. And, and again, that's a great example of how something that we know. I mean, you rationally know this thing is not actually oh, alive. Sure. It's not organic in any way. It didn't it, trick me. But. You, you can still, I mean, if I were to watch somebody uh, cause damage to one of these, especially when it was on, I would definitely have an emotional response to it. Oh, yeah. I, would, I would feel badly for this thing that could not itself feel. Yeah. So if you're skeptical about the ability to bond with a robotic pet that's very convincing, think about this. Would you feel OK kicking it? like just any rock or something like that. If you wouldn't, and I think if you're a person of normal emotional character, you wouldn't feel okay about just kicking it, then you might also have some potential to bond with something like this. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but so a little more about uh, Pleo. So it was originally put out by Yugobi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which uh, shared a co-creator with the old Furby dolls, um, Caleb Chung. Yes. Ah, oh, Furby. Yeah. So the original model of Pleo uh, went goodbye in 2009, but then the model was resurrected later uh, as Pleo RB, Pleo Reborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was priced at $469 in 2011. That is still officially the list price from what I can tell, but uh, I've found them as cheap as 355 on Amazon. So uh, much less expensive than the old Sony uh, Abo right. or Ibo dogs. And, and uh, much, much less expensive than, than, Paro. than Paro. Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're starting to see it in a range where at least some people would have it more uh, within their, their buying power. But again, uh, I think a lot of people still view these as, as toys primarily, not as something that they would 
uh, not something that they could develop an emotional attachment to that would seem quote unquote normal, right? Not like there's anything necessarily abnormal about it because as we've established, all of us can develop emotional attachments to things that are not organically alive, but there's kind of a social and cultural concept that such an emotional attachment is a little odd. Maybe it's changing slowly, but I know that if I were to have bought a Pleo as a kid and treated it like a pet, uh, even if that made me happy, I'm sure that most of my friends would have viewed me as even more strange than they already did, which is saying something. <laughs> and possibly that your parents would have gone like, huh? No, I think my parents would have been totally on board. In fact, <laughs> uh, I I feel fairly confident about that. So moving on, though, uh, there was another uh, robotic dog, right? Well, I just wanted to cite one more example because actually there have been a bunch. Sure. Yeah, that- there's been, yeah, there's actually quite a few examples. I, I mean, I remember going through toy stores and seeing various uh, models of different types of robotic pets that had different levels of sophistication. Some of them were no more than like a RC controlled, essentially like an RC controlled vehicle, but in an animal kind of form factor. Right. Others had these more advanced features where they were able to respond to things like vocal commands or being able to sense when something was touching it. Yeah. Uh, so we we just focused on some of the ones that I thought were the most interesting, but there are a bunch of others. And one of the examples I wanted to give of one that's still being made because like Abo was discontinued, right. of course. Um, one today is Zoomer. Mm-hmm. So that's a little robotic puppy. Uh, 99 bucks. Yeah. So, so, so that's an actually affordable. I mean, I would argue that if you're going to drop cash on a robot pet, that $99 is a reachable price point for... I would the say the kind that, of person yeah, who's going to. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I did read a review of it from Mashable. So, so it doesn't walk. It has rollers for feet. Right. Right. And so that's which does considerably mean, sort of undercutting the the lifelike aspect of it. Definitely, but it also means that it can keep up with you a little bit better. I mean, and, oh, and yeah. anything that has that four legged uh, lo- locomotion is going to be significantly slow at this current stage in robotics. Right, unless you are unless buying a military Boston robot. Dynamics, but we'll yeah. talk about that in a little oh, bit. Oh boy, I can't wait. Yeah. Okay, the other thing, the review I read noted, uh, I, I don't know if I said that it was from Mashable, but the, they noted that it's not very responsive to the verbal commands during its training mode and that <laughs> So you it's have just to... like a real dog. <laughs> You have to press a button to make it listen to you. Like okay. on its head, you have to pat its head and then it will listen. Okay. No, it's, it seems incredibly similar to my own experience, but all right, yeah. I, I take it. I see what you're saying. <laughs> then again, one thing I do want to note, $99 versus a, a top price of around 2000 for Ava, that's 5% of the price. Yeah. So, so you're kind of getting what you pay for, but but also, I, I don't know, like, like that, that review from Meshbowl was talking about how this is, although clearly not a dog, is perhaps a decent replacement as such for, for, for a kid who's either allergic or mm-hmm. maybe whose parents can't afford to keep up with a dog. Or, or maybe they live in, say, an apartment where there's a no pets policy. Uh-huh. Exactly. Or or wanting to, to test out and see if a child who's been begging them for a dog is actually going to pay any attention to it at all whatsoever. Mm, right. Okay, so I want to talk about some of the things that we would have to accomplish in order to make a really, really amazing robot pet. Okay. Uh, so where we've come so far is impressive, but we're not there yet. We don't have these robots that are that are really convincingly like real animals. Right. Uh, we were just talking about locomotion. Let's let's go into that. 
Okay. Sure, yeah. So a lot of the ones we've discussed so far either would be kind of wobbly, you know, if they're actually walking on four legs. They don't they don't tend to have very smooth, fluid, organic kind of movement. Or they're moving around on wheels. So I mean that's, that's very different yeah. from what you would see in, in the animal world. Maybe you'd have to uh get a really long haired artificial dog that where you wouldn't be able to see the legs anyway, and so it could just wheel along and you wouldn't notice. So like canine but with fur instead yeah. of So wait, so you're you're suggesting that a device with wheels also has long hair and you don't see any potential. For Jonathan, like a, you are clearly the engineer in the room. A robotic dog with mange and sparks flying out and smoke coming up. That's all I see from this. All okay, right. okay. So no, imagine that you want a robotic dog, but you want like a, like a big dog that you can run around with and wrestle with and play frisbee in the park, you know, the, the, so when like you say an big, athletic when you say dog. big dog, are you thinking Boston Dynamics big dog well yes that i am thinking that among other <laughs> robots from boston dynamics so boston yeah. dynamics is uh their robotics company that uh they partner with darpa yeah and they've been designing a lot of really cool and weird and cute and strange looking things it, for the military unsettling. Yeah, yeah yeah they they fall deeply into that uncanny valley kind of territory right. for me because, because their movements are so realistic yeah they are they are mimicking biological movements okay so yeah a lot of these things were like say they were created to carry packs in the field or something like yeah. this. But what we're talking about are quadrupedal robots. Mm-hmm. They're they're four-legged robots that run over terrain. They can run around wherever. Uh, we could talk about a few of them. One of them is the big dog. Yep. Uh, the big dog is a big four-legged quadrupedal robot that uh, it's pretty cool because you can see it getting there. In terms of balance, stability, the sort of robust motion that a live animal has because of their, you know, motor cortex. Now, is that the one where there's the video of the guy pushing the robot yes. with his foot? Yes, this is a, a four-legged, uh, four-legged robot, and this guy kicks it. He and just kicks it, and I, it like stumbles, but it doesn't fall over. So the question I have for you guys is: Did you feel bad for the robot when I that did. happened? I did too. I did, and then I, I think in the same video it immediately proceeds because they're on an icy surface, <laughs> and the robot yeah. starts slipping on the ice. And I had the same emotional gut reaction that I do when my dog slips on the ice, and I'm like, "That's so cute, and I need to help you." Yeah, yeah, yeah and see, I the- really did feel that too. I, I saw it slipping on the ice. First, it was hilarious, and then I felt so much pity. Right, and then it's interesting again because once again on a rational level we know that this is a machine but on an emotional level we do have this connection and i mean i i was mad at the guy for kicking the robot <laughs> yeah and it was really a demonstration to show how if it was suddenly thrown off balance how it could catch itself oh, and sure. remain upright i mean it was a it was a practical demonstration of the robot's capabilities but at the same time i'm like you're a mean man yeah mr kicker <laughs> yeah i i felt the same way uh, some other Boston Dynamics robots you should check out. Go to YouTube, look up videos of Big Dog, look up Cheetah. Yep. That's a much smaller one that can run really fast. Uh, according to their YouTube video description, it it achieved a speed of 28.3 miles per hour, which is, quote, a bit faster than Usain Bolt. Yeah, that's the, pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, that also would be very unsettling to see yeah. a robot moving that quickly. Right. Especially, especially you towards know, you. And, and particularly since for most of us, our experience with robots tends to be this lower end consumer level, right? right. So what we're used to is things that kind of wiggle a little bit as they're trying to walk forward. They are, they always look like they're right on the verge to tipping over. Uh, something very nearly stationary. Right. So when you see something like this, they can move at 28 miles per hour. You're like, that is just not right. <laughs> but beyond uh, Big Dog it's and like, Cheetah. There's another one, uh, the Wildcat. Oh, yeah. I saw this one, too. That one was really interesting because it could move very quickly. And yeah. it had two different basic styles of running. It had kind of a galloping run and it had a bounding run. Uh-huh. So uh, the galloping one looked more like what you would see, like the way a horse would, would be at a full gallop. And the bounding one reminded me of a dog like in full run chasing after like a Frisbee or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with advances like these, I can really see how it could be possible to create a big, fun, robotic dog to run around with you in the park, to go on hikes and nature trails with you, to to wrestle or, you know, do whatever kind of athletic thing you want to do with the dog. But there are some big drawbacks you'll immediately recognize if you watch these videos. Number one, these things are large and bulky and loud. Num- number two, I was going to say they sound like mechanized death running <laughs> toward you. Like the, take, take all, take all the, the sound work, noises, all the sound work used in uh, in the Michael Bay Transformers movies and apply that to your pet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number three, they're not very cuddly. And that's what I want to move into the next thing is that I think we would have to work on to get really good robotic pets would be designing them for texture actually and for cuddliness. Well, and this is, this is like for, this is something that Pero already probably does pretty well. Yes. Yeah. This is something that's incredibly challenging because if you want both of these things, then you're really limiting yourself to what kind of materials and what kind of power you can use because all of that's going to add weight to your pet. Right. Oh, so, So if you think about something like the uh, the big dog robot, I mean, obviously, that'd be way too bulky, way too large and way too robotic to pass as any sort of pet that's supposed to mimic a biological creature convincingly. Um, but if you think about that, then that would essentially be your skeleton and musculature for whatever animal you end up with. And then you would have to pad that out with other material to make it more cuddly and soft so mm-hmm. it's not just you know a hard-edged robot that has fur on top of it <laughs> yeah uh, one of the advances that i think is coming sometime in the future is going to be soft robotics and we talked a little bit about this joe and i in our episode about robot child care mm-hmm. but um but, which actually will be airing after this episode. okay so look forward to that in the future <laughs> friends yes it's coming soon ba- basically robot Research up until now has really been focused on using hard materials right. because they're so much more predictable from a mathematical standpoint sure. and and more durable and therefore easier to implement. And so we don't even have software to to help researchers account for how soft materials are going to behave. Right. Yeah. I want to introduce a couple other concerns when it comes to this texture thing. One of them is warmth. I don't know if you all have considered this, but it might be kind of disconcerting if you're to hold or pet your your robotic dog? animal and it's not warm yeah or or it's or it's just very warm wherever the battery exactly, is exactly yeah if it's not distributed in a right. way that feels organic I, I think the the uniformity of human body or animal body warmth is one of the key things that you 
used to detect life by touch. Sure. I feel like that could be a, a relatively easy thing to solve compared to some of these other problems. But but absolutely, that's something. Yeah. To think yeah, about. I think you would have to come up with a plan where the heat generated by whatever the power source was, was distributed, was distributed across right. the skin. Because you, yeah. you clearly wouldn't want to add heating elements to a robot because no. uh, yeah, electronics and heat don't go so well together. No, but I could certainly imagine, say, if you've got a heat sink within the machine, you might have capillary actions right, just right. distributing right. that It might heat be a throughout. clever dual purpose, like like figure out figuring out how to distribute that By heat. By the way, and- if any of our listeners are, are taking notes and they're about to make a robotic animal based upon our suggestions, uh, you can just include us in that patent. <laughs> um, just, uh, just throwing it out there. Uh, another thing about the, the touch and the texture of the animal would be something that came up with uh, Pleo. So one of the problems with the original Pleo was that its skin would flake away. Yeah. After after lots of petting over time, prolonged mm-hmm. touch and interaction with this animal would cause the paint to flake off. Mm-hmm. And this is a real problem. I mean, real animals, when you're petting them, you're like removing detached pieces of fur, fur and, and like skin. dead yeah. skin mm-hmm. cells Dander, and stuff yeah. that comes away naturally. And in fact, they can be pleasurable for the animal to for you to move that away as a with your grooming hand. mechanism, sure. Yeah, uh, with a non-alive organism that's not regenerating its own exterior, you this can become a patches. problem over time. Well, I mean, one solution to that is to create some sort of robotic pet where the uh, the skin is actually replaceable. As opposed oh, right. to, you know, you, like like you do that on, you know, <laughs> I could just imagine you go and you have to go buy a new skin for your robot pet and then you can t- remove the old one and put in a new one. Now, granted, that does take away, obviously, from the realism, but I don't think any of us want the experience of actually having to scalp our robot pet animal and then replace it with a new skin and suture it on. Yeah, I'm not wow. going to sign up for that one. Although, I mean, there, there are certainly some, maybe not, not animal-shaped creations but some some dolls and toys there there's some asian fashion dolls that I, there's there's some korean lines japanese lines i'm forgetting the the name of of the things exactly but but they stand a, a foot or two tall and uh and the, the the people who purchase them will purchase different eyes for them and wigs and and will retool the strings in the dolls so that they can and and all of this creeps me out a little bit but <laughs> it's considered perfectly normal within the community to be like oh I'm just touching up my doll and so I took all of his joints apart and I'm tightening his strings today that kind of stuff gotcha yeah uh there could of course just be improved durability i mean that's one thing that they did with the plio rb as sure. opposed to the yeah. plio one of the main upgrades they talked about was that uh its skin was more durable and it was less likely to yeah. flake off and and as we work on materials science related things like that i i do think that that kind of stuff is absolutely forthcoming Okay, but uh, looking at the Boston Dynamics things that we mentioned a minute ago, sound, this is obviously a big thing because when you have an, uh, an object this big running at you, it's going to be making a lot of noises. But even if we say, okay, I don't want a huge, gigantic dog that I can wrestle with. I just want a cute little puppy. Well, even Abo makes noise. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and you get these these mechanical noises, you know, that that the are, gears and the movement. Right. It's certainly not organic in any way. Uh, I mean, that's ultimately that might not be an issue in the long run, but at least initially, I could see that being something that turns people away because it doesn't seem, you know, natural, a, natural or real or however, whatever mm-hmm. word you want to use to describe it when you compare it against an uh, actual organic pet. 
Right. Although I think that a lot of those kind of the a lot of the sound problems are going to become resolved when we also resolve some of the power and engine related issues. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So let's go straight to that power and charging. Now, obviously, I think you don't in the end want a gasoline powered internal combustion dog. I can just imagine having to pull a rip cord in order to start (laughs) my dog up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So how long is your robot pet's battery life? Um, And does it maintain a charge for like continuous activity or play? Now, I can imagine this actually being a horrible thing if you have, say, a small child playing with his or her beloved robot pet and that pet's battery runs out and it just collapses to death. (laughs) That would obviously be traumatic for a kid. Well, if you if you set it so that whatever power meter is in the animal, the Uh robotic pet. So, you know, there these. These devices have meters that read how much power is available in the battery. Right. Right. So if you were to design the pet in such a way where it starts to give indications that battery power is running low and not just by some sort of flashing light or something, which is the way a lot of our electronics do today, but in ways that are mimicking animal behavior where it like got sleepy. Exactly. Puppies get tired. Puppies Mm -hmm. need to take a nap. So if if it had that kind of more natural cool down. uh, kind of yeah right. like that's how it demonstrated that it needed to be recharged and that would probably be less traumatic i can certainly see how that would work very well and i think one i i think the abo i believe would recharge itself like it would go back to its charging yeah, station like a, and like a roomba it, it would mm-hmm, yeah. go back over although you know its power capacity is certainly a problem in anything like we've talked about a million times on this show with with small electronics you're going to run into just sheer battery life issues the zoomer i think only has a half hour of battery life per charge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think about just RC cars that I've had in the past and how quickly. Yeah. Like 10 minutes. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you have, you have these moments of joy and then you're, you suddenly realize that you are done. That's it. You're done. Either that or you have to have an enormous package of batteries that you're constantly swapping out. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's a challenge. That's, that's a challenge across all electronics though. And we'll probably do an episode, uh, someday about the future of, uh, things like battery technology, because that's one of those things that a lot of people find very frustrating. Yeah. So one of the last things I want to talk about is both maybe the most important of all of these. And it's one of the ones I have the least to say about because I don't know what to tell the people designing these. But it's pet artificial intelligence. Yeah. I mean, just because animals aren't as smart as humans, it doesn't mean that their intelligence is easy to mimic. Sure. And, you know, I, th- I think that a feature in a lot of these pets, including the, the digital pets like the Tamagotchi, is is a learning process. Sure. Yeah. And by learning, I mean, it's it, we're not talking real machine AI learning. Yeah. It's not yeah. like it's, it's not like a, a pre-programmed it's a kind of learning. Right. right. It's almost like there are certain behaviors that are unlocked as you interact with the pet. Right. Time. It's more like playing a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've unlocked a power up of exactly. some sort. Yeah. So um, that's really, really tricky. I mean, that's just a hard problem, period. And it's right there with all other hard problems that are related to artificial intelligence. You know, we're not when we say AI, a lot of people, I think a lot of people, myself included, often think about the science fiction or or film version of AI, which is essentially a computer thinking like a person. But artificial intelligence is an enormous field that has lots of different areas of focus, including how do you create an artificial machine that mimics life in a a very believable way? My gut feeling is that 
despite the fact that it's certainly not going to be easy, it will actually be easier than mimicking human intelligence. I would imagine so. Uh, probably. I don't know. My dog is really quirky. But <laughs> yeah, and I think that it's actually kind of the admittedly kind of dumb unpredictability of animals that makes them so charming. I mean, all of the YouTube <laughs> exactly, videos, yeah. for example, that I'm right. thinking of that are just my favorites are some, are some animal doing something that you never would expect an animal to have done. Right. Either they've, they've done something incredibly clever because they've managed to solve a problem. And that's something we don't typically think animals are capable of doing. But there are plenty of videos out there where you oh, see yeah. oh, the animal oh. has totally figured out how to move that chair from that part of the kitchen to a totally different part of the kitchen in order to get up on the counter, in order to open up the uh, toaster oven, in order to get to the chicken McNuggets that are inside. Yeah. You <laughs> know, if it involves getting to food that they're not allowed to have, they'll figure it out. Yeah. So yeah. if you're able to create an, an intelligence that can do probably not getting at batteries that they aren't supposed to get at, but some other kind of behavior that's unexpected – then I think that goes a long way to creating this sort of bond where uh, that's, a, that's a very important element is the the fact that there needs to be some level of unpredictability, not a lot, but at least enough for that to have that kind of experience that you would have having a, 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 a an alive pet, an organic pet. Absolutely. The the Ibo designers were thinking about that. They created a, a mechanism in which the robot would sometimes not respond to your commands because it just didn't feel like right. it, right. you know, so which I thought was very cute. Yeah, yeah. that's smart. Uh, the other thing, of course, is price. But we've been talking about that as we've been going along. So one of the encouraging things is as we've been tracking these through time, the price does seem to be coming down. On things that are pretty good, but then again, I I have no idea how much one of those Boston Dynamics robots costs. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars, if yeah. not hundreds of thousands. Yeah. I mean, but but when you think about it, uh, that's building something that didn't exist before, right? It's right. like so. It's one thing to talk about developing a new type of robot because everything you're doing is from scratch. I mean, even if you're using parts that were made by other companies or that were used in other things, you're putting them together in a brand new way, which is always going to be incredibly expensive. But once you've settled on that design and you start to create the manufacturing processes that allow you to make it in mass quantities, that cost starts to come down. So if if people are able to use elements that have already been created for other purposes and they can repurpose it for the uh, with the intent of creating a robotic animal that could help bring the cost down too it all depends on how you actually go about the process of building the robot yeah but so now i want to think if y'all are ready about some of the actual benefits that we really could get from having robotic pets and animals because i i personally admit that I have a strong prejudice towards actual live animals. Like I, I don't feel in my heart that I could love a robotic animal. Like I love a real live animal, but there are obviously a lot of ways that a robotic animal really could be a benefit. And one of the first things that came to my mind when I was writing the script for this video episode was the fact that I, and a lot of people like me get anxiety when flying on airplanes, right? Just don't like it. Sure. You know, it's, it's no good. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it would be wonderful if I could have an animal with me in an airplane. Wouldn't that be so comforting if you could have a cat in your lap or have a dog with you? But it that makes no sense. There's no reason airliners should 
allow animals on. I mean, they could go crazy and you well, don't, you don't know what they there do. are very specific rules as to how many animals are allowed aboard any flight at a given time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the sizing and all that kind yeah, of. Yeah. They have to be, you know, if, if they don't fit underneath the seat in front of you, right. then they have to be in the cargo hold, that kind right. of stuff. Having a, uh, a robot animal though, I mean, there you could have predictable behavior. Right. I mean, you, you could have it in such a way that there wouldn't really need to be any restrictions. Well, not only that, but you could have an, a quote unquote, a pet that you don't have to worry about setting off some other passenger's allergies. Right. right? So there's no pet dander there. There's yeah. nothing that, uh, assuming that whatever materials you're using are not going to set anyone off anyway, then, uh, you know, like whatever the, the, the fur or skin of that animal is, as long as that's not going to set people off, like it's some sort of weird exotic material that 99% of the population immediately breaks out as soon as they come into contact well, with don't, it. Don't, don't make the fur out of peanuts and we'll right. all be yeah. basically okay. So, yeah, I mean, that, that would mean that, you know, you, you would have yet another objection removed because you would have, uh, something that could help calm you, but wouldn't cause distress to other passengers. Right. Uh, and then of course you can think of all kinds of other places that animals can't always go or not all animals could go in all cases that would probably be fine if you had robotic pets. Think restaurants, think hospitals. I mean, like airplanes, there are these, there's places where maybe sometimes animals can be there, but only under restricted conditions. I, right. I just imagined, I mean, that, certainly that is a really terrific concept, especially for, for people who have found great benefit in therapy animals. But I was just briefly picturing a terrible dystopia in which all the people that I don't like who carry little dogs around with them will just have carte blanche to, to carry little yappy type <laughs> robots around with them everywhere they go. Well, that's why you have to carry one of those remote controls around with you that just turns things off. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Dystopia. Ooh. Dystopia. Okay. Never mind. Okay. Another thing I, I do want to think about is something about the interest of the animals themselves, because there are people who would love to have an animal companion when they can have it, but maybe they're very busy. Right. Um, like maybe they travel the, a lot. Yeah. Or and so. I think it would be in those cases maybe unethical, like say you work long hours all the time or you travel a whole lot to just leave a live animal that's having real experiences and emotions by itself all the time. Oh, absolutely. I work from home two or three days a week and I still feel bad leaving my dog the other days. Yeah, same here. Uh, but so if you could have a robotic pet, you could still get some of that experience of having a companion, someone to, you know, and it would help give you all those feelings of love and, and companionship that an animal would, but you wouldn't be leaving it on its own. You wouldn't be causing a, an actual living animal distress by right. leaving it. Right. On a similar level, um, you know, maintenance of the pet. If, if you don't have right. time to take care of it, to get it to vet visits, to to give it a bath, et cetera, to take it on walks in most, you know, more dog cases than cat cases sure. probably, but – yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that could also matter if you're a really busy person, but think also like say if you are elderly or have a disability that would prevent you from being able to provide that animal all the care it needs. Right. Sure. Yeah. So there's benefits on two different aspects there, right? So, uh, yeah, that's perfectly uh, legitimate. Uh, these, these last couple of examples, if I can, if I can be depressing statistics girl for just a second, could be really especially fab considering that the Humane Society of the United States estimates that some 2.7 million adoptable cats and dogs are put to sleep every year due to shelter overpopulation. And, you know, okay, this, this means a few things. And, and in a more practical example, I, you know, 
adopt a pet from a shelter if you're going to adopt one while we do not have robotic pets yet and uh, spay and neuter that pet because it's a really good plan. But but more pertinent to our current conversation, you know, an increase in robotic pets, I think, could mean a decrease in the number of unwanted animals over time as, as fewer pets are abandoned or have accidental litter, litters. And that could be yeah, just so good. Certainly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I mean, let me ask you guys a quick question, because, I mean, there are other things we could talk about. I mean, obviously, you know, we could actually get into the utility of a robotic pet beyond companionship. Like, for example, the big dog ones that are made for the military and made to carry a load. You could, in theory, have these robotic pets that are actually very useful for things like if you want to go camping, but you don't want to have to carry a 40-pound backpack on your back. Yeah. <laughs> you could actually have a robot being able to do that. And whereas um, I would feel bad strapping my actual dog down with a... <laughs> I would imagine, so, doesn't your dog weigh like... 14 pounds or something? She, she, yeah. She's like a 40-pound dog, okay, but okay. None, none, she's arthritic. I, mine, <laughs> mine only weighs 12 pounds. If I strapped a 40-pound backpack to my dog, I would have a dog on his back with his little legs waving in the air. <laughs> well, here's another thing you might not have thought of, uh, or maybe you did because I think I wrote it in the script you performed. <laughs> which is, uh, oh, I don't, I don't think when I do your scripts. I just, I just recite. You just say words. Okay. No, imagine a dog with GPS in it. So you go out on a run with your dog and you could be in an unfamiliar city or you could go down a, a path you've never been before and your dog with you would be able to navigate for you. You know, you, you couldn't get lost with this dog with you. It, you know, it knows the city streets, how to lead you back. Uh, it could even warn you, you know, like, oh, it's connected to your weather app and say, hey, it's about to start raining in 30 minutes. You Maybe might want we to turn around. Maybe we should mosey home. Yeah. 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 As opposed to my dog, who is an anti-navigational system, in fact. She, <laughs> she, if, if, if I followed her, we would never get home. Well, my dog is nearly blind and almost completely deaf. So following my dog is a terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> so and, we, we just end up in a corner somewhere. <laughs> and we've, we, we've talked a few times here about, about using therapy animals and and you know robots have have totally been used for more than just emotional therapy there's a bunch of trials going on for for teacher robots to see whether groups like a like like kids with autism could possibly benefit from robot therapy mm. and the short answer so far is is yes absolutely they can um you know kids who have trouble with things like eye contact or coordinated movement or, or taking turns have totally opened up with these these patient synchronous therapy robots okay now, I've got a question for for all three of us, and I, I didn't really think about this before I came in here. But the question is, let's say we're in the amazing future where you know, we've got our animal pets and we love them. But we also have the opportunity to own a robot pet that perfectly mimics some sort of animal. What sort of animal would you pick? Let's let's limit it to real animals. Oh, real oh. animals. You're no fun, Jonathan. Um, okay, well we'll go to two choices. <laughs> One that's a real animal, though it could be a real animal from any era in Earth's history. Ah. And the second is any kind of imaginative, fantastical animal ever. So, uh, Lauren, you go first. I, I'm a little bit obsessed with otters right now. Oh, it's a good oh. choice. And I mean, those, oh, those things are just so cute. And right. And you would never want to own a real one. Because, oh, sure. That would be terribly cruel to the, to the otter. They're, but, but a, but a robotic one, sure. Yeah. If it's completely uh, realistic and yeah, I, I mean, that's it, a and, great choice. And if I can afford a robot otter, I could clearly afford to have a swimming pool and we could just, we could just float on our backs holding hands. Oh, that's, that's great. All okay. Day. Do you have one for your, uh, do you want to come back around for fantasy? 
Sure. Well, all right. So, Joe, it's your turn. Oh, okay. So I would probably go with a uh, weasel. So along the line. Okay. So or, not a ferret, but a weasel. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> or something, something that would normally attack you and bite, <laughs> bite you a whole lot, but this won't, right? Right. Well, what, theoretically, a yes. A wolverine, <laughs> a wolverine or a skunk. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Creatures that are often rabid in nature, maybe. Well, uh, for my real one, uh, I'm going to go with Dodo. Ooh, I would like I would one. like a a robotic Dodo. I think I think you know from all the pictures, I think Dodos look really kind of a little clumsy and a little you know just a little <laughs> a little they look a little dorky. I like it. I like they it. They look a little dorky, and I think, but to me, it has sort of an adorable you know aspect to that. It's not like you know something that I find off putting. I actually find it endearing birds if, are terrifying so i'm not going to come over to your house when you have a robot dodo well but. i won't necessarily have it you know behave 100 percent accurately but still terrifying okay go ahead all right so fantasy uh lauren you you oh, oh. joe joe's already piped up i guess so I'm going to go with David Bowie from Labyrinth. It'll make me the most popular person in the world. <laughs> oh, no. I, I want to redo mine. Mini- <laughs> miniature Luck Dragon. Oh, okay. So from Neverending Story. Right. All right. That's your fantasy one. Okay. So I, I should do a real Z's fantasy one and not just uh, David Bowie from Labyrinth. Um because I think about all the all the the Jim Henson creations he's made, and I mean oh, those are like yeah. like any kind of oh, Muppet. I want a little Skeksy. Oh, okay. All right. I, I, I'm like not the Chamberlain, over to your or house. yeah, okay. mm. yeah, got you that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think about all the uh, heck. I I would love to have a completely you know realistic sort of uh, Muppet character, any of the Muppets, right? As that would be like that would be a gold mine if they could make those. Yeah. I mean, just to have something that would have that kind of personality. Like, I would love to have you know, maybe Fozzie the bear because he and I have a very similar sense of humor and our jokes are pretty much, you know, the awesome. same, same <laughs> level of awesome. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Lauren. Oh, I'm, I am not even sure anymore. It's, that's, that's <laughs> too okay, many opportunities, There's, too many chances, yeah, one, too many choices. One of everything. Yeah. Uh, a giant Kraken, you know, I'll go, I'll go okay. giant Kraken uh, while, while I've got a swimming pool. Uh, why not? Yeah. There you go. That's furry squid. Yeah. It would certainly, Ooh, it would furry certainly giant Kraken. It would discourage people from getting in your pool when you haven't al- <laughs> allowed them to. It's a, it's a good otter protection system. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So your, your otter is perfectly safe due to the Kraken security tool. All right. So, uh, well, you know what? Let's open up that question to all of our listeners out there. If you guys could have some sort of robotic pet, whether it's realistic or imaginative, you should let us know. Hey, we have an email address. We do. FWThinking at Discovery.com. You can actually write us and tell us what your choice is. Or if you prefer, you can let us know on Facebook or Twitter or Google+. Plus. We have the handle FWThinking at all three locations. Remember to go to FWThinking.com to see the videos and listen to other podcasts and read the blogs. I'm going to try to do a blog post with some of the videos of these of these robots that we've been talking about. So so go find and check that out. Yeah, and uh, make sure you become part of this conversation. We're looking forward to hearing from you and we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.